Season 2, Episode 3 of the Jetlagged Podcast. As you guys know, we're generally a New York Jets-focused podcast, and we'll be back next week with that regular coverage diving into free agency, the Jets coaching hires, and our draft strategy heading into April. But this week, we welcome our first guest on the podcast, Dan Clark, who you guys probably already follow on Twitter if you're even here. So we appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. We have a great conversation coming up with Dan, and let us know what you think. All right, so we're here with our first guest, Dan Clark, based out of Melbourne. Dan, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Very good, very good. Uh, it's quite warm here at the moment. Probably quite different to, to the weather over there in, in New York. But um, yeah, it's 113 at the moment, and it's getting up to 115 tomorrow, so we're in the middle of a bit of a heat wave. Never thought I'd be <laughs> jealous to hear that. Um, yeah. yeah, so Dan, thanks again. Thanks again for joining us. We had a, we just wanted to, to chat with you kind of how you got, got your start in the business um, and kind of how the, how the sports scene kind of translates over to Australia. So off, off the bat, how did you, how did you kind of find your, your groove as a, as a, an Orioles focused baseball writer made based out of Melbourne? Yeah. So I, um, going through university, it was, was it now nine or so, 10 years ago. Um, a friend of mine at uni, him and I started a blog. Um, we we're passionate about sport and, um, we started covering, <coughs> Pardon me, a predominantly Australian sport, which is cricket and Australian rules football, which is quite different to um, American football. <coughs> right, right. So, yeah, so we did that, and then um, look, we we he had an interest in in um, basketball, and I had an interest in, in baseball and, and hockey. So um, I guess we we started covering a little bit of our own interests there, and then that. We noticed we were getting a fair bit of traction online, um, predominantly on Twitter, from I guess people um, in the in the cities where our, our respective teams were. So he followed Houston in the um, in the NBA, and I followed Baltimore in um, in the baseball and Washington in the uh, in the hockey. So we noticed we we're getting a bit of traction, and you know people pretty clearly said on the on our blog that we were based in Australia, and I guess people were intrigued a little bit, and um, yeah, people some people thought it was pretty cool story a lot of other people hated it like, and, <laughs> i mean that's that's how the online stuff tends to go i think yeah absolutely i mean as soon as you put a view out there on a sport which i guess let's say isn't traditionally australian um i mean putting your views out there at the best of times as you guys would know you got to cop um criticism and you're going to cop um, <laughs> some good you, you get both trust me when you're in australia and you're you know a 14 hour well, over the East Coast, we're an 18-hour flight away. People are really going to have me hard if they don't agree with you. And, and that's fine, but we kind of played along, played along with it, and uh, it just all grew from there. you got to have fun with it. Exactly. you got to. I mean, um, at the end of the day, we're talking about sports. We're not talking about life and death. So you've got <laughs> to enjoy yourself talking about it, whether, whether you agree with someone or, or whether you don't. Absolutely. I think there's a, I think there's a fair amount of um, comfort in, in maybe giving you some shit knowing that there's a 14-hour plane ride in between you guys if it ever gets. Uh, escalated too much absolutely i mean <laughs> let's let's say we're not going to bump into each other at the, at the local uh, bar are we <laughs> no absolutely not no so that i i think that's what was super interesting on our end um i i think it started from from you posted a tweet and we liked it and, and you threw us a follow which 
which obviously we appreciate as kind of this, this mm. growing podcast that we're just doing for fun. Um, so that that perspective of how you kind of came up online as as a as a writer based so far away from, I guess, what the what the day to day action and the chatter would be. Um, yeah. You know, that that perspective was always super interesting to us. And, and again, we, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I guess the, the, the thing that I really enjoy um, about uh, Twitter in particular is that you um, you can engage with people who are so, you know, so removed from your everyday life, but share a, a common interest in that being sport. And um, everybody you know, could be uh, passionate about the same thing almost. Exactly. Yeah. You. And I've always said sport's the great, um, well, it's funny, it can unite, but it obviously can <laughs> divide as well. But I think more in general, it does unite people. You know, people, even if you're, like you guys are obviously um, supporting different teams than what I support, but there's a common interest there. Um, and, and, and not, you know, uh, probably religion, sport, there's, there's not, not a lot of things which can unite people like that. And um, I think people underestimate the value of sport and, and what that can bring. It definitely can bring a lot of people together in, in uh, yeah. different ways, obviously. And actually, you know, not only bring each other together, but block out the other stuff and everybody could just enjoy yep. one thing together. That's the funny thing. That's, that's kind of how like the three of us became close friends is that we're, there's not many Jets, Yankees fans together. And uh, the three yep. of us growing up, that's, that, those are the teams that we, you know, we rooted for week in, week out. So it's, it's, it's kind of funny how it unites people. Yeah, absolutely. And it can create lifelong friendships. And, um, you know, it's not just the watching the games, which, which is important. But, you know, they're, they're talking about it. And if you're really passionate, you know, if you blog or if you have a podcast like you guys do, you know, analyzing it in detail and, and you know, going to, the, going to the bar after the game and having a drink and discussing it, uh, that, that's, that's just as important to me as, as um, actually watching it itself. I think, you know, I think that there's, there's been such a shift in, in the way that people kind of ingest their, their sports information now that, that I, like personally, I find the like the pre and post game shows pretty unwatchable. Whether it's baseball yeah. or, or football in particular, they just have these. It it, it the guys who were speaking about it are just so far removed from from the common fan that I don't the the, the opinion is very diluted. Um, like I, I much would prefer to seek out a podcast or people on Twitter. Um, to kind of get their takes on stuff. Oh, I could not agree more. And you, you, summer, you said that perfectly. I, um, in all due respect to to um, to mainstream uh, media, I, I get they've got a job to do. But yeah, sometimes I ain't going into it too much detail. But especially with the Orioles, you, you, you got to look at who's paying the bill. At the same time, they're not going to go out and throw ownership under the bus if they're in the Orioles' case with Masson um, Sports. They're the ones who are paying their their wage. So. You've got to wonder how um, how honest that view is and whether it's actually reflective of the fans' view. And in my opinion, sometimes, um, or quite often, with a lot of sports and a lot of teams, the view of the beat writers or the, you know, the national reporters isn't actually reflective of what the fans are feeling. Um, it's you know, quite a bit removed. Yeah, I totally and, agree with yeah, that that's also. The value. That's, sorry, I was just going to that's the value of having bloggers and the value of having podcasters because it gives that alternative view and it actually can help with accountability of, of mainstream reporters. Yeah, I agree because I see, like you said, when you see a pre and post game of the, 
the comp, you know, the team that's in, you know, giving them right in the paycheck. They're not giving their honest opinions. I feel like they're like you said, it's just like it's ridiculous. Yep. So Dan, knowing you, was there a specific hook um, for you personally that that kind of brought you to to the Baltimore Orioles? Was it a player? Was it a professional opportunity? Uh, what kind of sparked that? I guess niche, for lack of a better way of putting it, that um, that kind of brought you to work to where you kind of made your name. Yeah, so I um I've always loved baseball, but I guess I probably it was only really the last maybe ten or twelve years I've started following the Orioles really closely um, to the point where it's it's basically probably like you guys with your teams, it's an obsession. And um, I yes, yeah, so I always followed it, and then I started playing baseball here, um, so. Our sporting structure is very different to the US. I guess it's um, there's a real focus on community and grassroots sport. So it's obviously you've got social sport in America, which is played midweek. But basically, basically growing up in Australia, you, you play sport on weekends. Um, nearly everyone does that, and you play you know for I guess amateur teams or semi-professional teams. And um, I used to play football. Aussie rules football and, and cricket growing up and um, football's a really explosive game I, I tore a hamstring a few times and um, I had a friend from our cricket club who said oh why don't you come play baseball during winter because baseball's played all year round here and um, so I said yeah sure let's do that so I started playing baseball um, and just it just my passion grew from there and, and the first club I played with were the Blackburn Orioles and um, they had a, basically they had the whole Orioles kit um, so we were playing in, in all that and so I got you know, heaps of Orioles hats and things like that. So that initially drew my interest there a little bit. And then um, I guess Australians, are, we love the underdog story. You know, we, we were, a, a, I guess, not a little in terms of land size, but in population, we're a little nation. Mm-hmm. And we always see ourselves as throwing our weight around against the, the heavyweights of the world. And I kind of like that with the Orioles. You know, I see that they're this little guy competing in the well not so little but you know comparatively speaking to boston and new york um you know they're they're the underdogs of the al east and and i love that about them and uh yeah that's why i guess the the passion grew from there no that that makes sense and uh the the dichotomy between how you know australian sports are are played and really when they're played and, and when they're able to be played here is is definitely interesting um in terms of the the four major north american leagues that that we have over here that that kind of dominate um the landscape how would you how would you rank their popularity um in australia good question um look the most popular is without a doubt um the nba Um, yeah that's that's kind of what we were we were thinking Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so from there, I think probably the next would, it's probably baseball, but in saying that NFL is getting really popular here as well, um, especially we've had probably, I don't know, I'm going to, off the top of my head, say probably six to six or eight um, players in the NFL, um, usually punters, but there's definitely a, a lot more growing presence of Aussies in mm-hmm. Certainly in college football and now in the NFL as well. So probably that's coming. That's probably close to overtaking baseball as being the second most popular. Um, and then it would be baseball and then hockey. Yeah, I can I can imagine that the the overlap with with hockey might not necessarily be there so organically. 
um, given, you know, even just the climate, as basic as that is. Uh, literally, the only time I've seen ice in my life is in America. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't grow up with, I mean, roller hockey was a thing maybe a little bit when we grew up, but growing up, but yeah, it's, it's not popular over here at all. No, that's so interesting. Um, I guess, I guess given the, the rise of, of the NFL that, that you had kind of noted, um, do you have an NFL team that, that you would kind of be following right now? Or, um, I guess if not, what's your, your kind of position on, on the league as a whole? Cause there's, there's quite a bit to talk about outside of just the teams. Yeah, look, I keep an eye on it, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say it's certainly nowhere near as close as I keep an eye on um, on baseball. But, yeah, I follow the Ravens, and that's naturally grown from, um, you know, going to Baltimore a fair bit and, and having some friends over there. Um, yeah, they were right this year. Um, I was a big uh, Joe Flacco fan, and I didn't love the switch to Lamar initially, but um, <laughs> it got us there. Um, he's got a bit to work on, but this, there's certainly some promise there, definitely. And as a disappointing end to the year, but um, I think that's the difference between a good team and a great team. And we're probably a good team, but we're never going to challenge. Um, well, well, you made the right choice not being a Jeff fan, I'll tell you that. Yeah. There's too much disappointment this team. At least you got to see a couple... Uh, Follow a couple, you know, yeah, Super Bowl run, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. so at least it's exciting. But <laughs> hopefully, yeah, we'll be we'll be having that same conversation in the next couple the of years. The thing I do like about the NFL is, um, I don't know, it just seems a little, it seems so much more competitive um, than sometimes what we're seeing in baseball. Um, Certainly what we're seeing in, in the NBA, it just seems I don't know, at the start of the year, every team, you know, you have hope. Um, and certainly, I mean, look, you're speaking of an Orioles fan, and obviously we've had a, a decent run the last few years, but we're never really close, maybe other than 2004. Um, you know, every year with NFL, you, you, there's always hope. And I like it. It's, it certainly seems a bit more balanced. And, and our Australian rules football, the professional league we got here, which is huge, um, it's our most dominant sport. There's, there's salary caps, and there's you know there's a really good draft system, and and it's same same type of thing. You know, you're only ever a couple of years away from from being back in contention, and, and that gives fans hope. And I think that's so important if because if fans ever get to the point where they don't have hope, then you, you you're fighting a losing battle. No, totally, and I can I can speak for for the three of us. We're kind of hanging on by a thread in terms of hope, and that. That kind of what you mentioned about there essentially really not being a window in the NFL, like it can turn around so quickly. That's what we're kind of banking on with with how the Jets are currently constructed. Um, yeah. There's a lot of work yeah. to be done. But like the new look thing at the in the Browns. NFL. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. I was just saying, look what the Browns did this year. Yeah, yeah. Rob, the new thing in the NFL is a lot of like there's a new term, worst to first you know, every year now, that's like the new thing. Yeah. Like a team can go from being bottom of the league to, you know, to a playoff run, you know, some, these teams get it, you know, very, you know, figured out quickly sometimes where in baseball, yeah. I feel like it's more like, a, like a, like a grind. Yeah. With, with football, we're able to get, you get that, the main piece, the quarterback on that, on that young, 
uh, cheap contract and you're able to build around them. And that's kind of, like we were just saying before, that's kind of the <laughs> the vine we're holding on to right now is that we're hoping that in Sam Darnold's prime, we're able to build this team around him and, and you know, create into that, that winner in such a short time. Yeah, and, you know, you... You, you understand the, the the theory, you know, you, you you buy into the process and it creates hope. And, and I, I guess that's all we want as sports fans. We just want our team to be, to be there, you know, to have their moment. Yeah, I think there's I think there's some some parallels between, um, you know, those kind of mid-2010 Oriole teams um, and kind of where the Jets were a little bit previous to that, 2009-2010. Uh, uh, they had some, you know, some homegrown talent that all kind of, you know, flourished at the same time. And, you know, the Orioles made a run there. And that was a that was a dark period for the Yankees specifically. Um, but I remember um, the feeling of, of a, a series down in Camden Yards was much different, um, you know, during their little run there with with Machado and, and Jones and, and Britain. Um, yeah certainly than it is now unfortunately on your end yeah yeah and they're in for a tough few years you know crowd numbers last year and i think they were down from around 28 or so thousand just a couple of years ago to about under under 20 on average so that's a significant drop and, and tv ratings were similar and i think everyone's aware it's going to be a tough few years for the o's but again um completely new front office Completely new coaching staff, um, you know, some kids coming through. Not nothing to get too excited about, but certainly some something to work with. And again, it's all about giving us hope. Absolutely. Have you? Um, what's the What's the status of Adam Jones with the Orioles? Because I know that near the end of last year, uh, there was some trade talk. There was some some uncertainty about where he was going to play, and I know there was like some weird story about him just buying a house down there um and pardon me for for not um being up to date on on kind of where the contract stands but do you have any insight into that i don't have any inside um info but i I, there's a pretty popular view around um the orals that um he probably won't be returning. He, look, he, I'd love it personally. I'd love to see him back out there. He's certainly my favourite Oriole and he's looked after me a few times over there. Um, yeah, but he, I think the Orioles need to look at the future. And yeah, Adam's 33 now. And um, as much as I think it would be great to have his veteran presence around the team, I don't think he'll be returning. But um, I know that wherever he does go, he's got plenty to offer. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I hope he can get. Yeah, a fair few more good years out of him because he's a very good guy and he's a very good player. Yeah, no, I mean, he always seemed like one of the one of the good guys around the league, um, even even in All Star games and stuff, um, home run derbies. You always get a sense of kind of who the the guys guys are, um, kind of on the on the foul lines when they're all watching, and he was always right in the middle. Um, so, you know, while I never loved when when the Yankees were facing him in a close game, there was always uh, a good amount of respect for for what he was able to do um, with the Orioles down there. He always had his, yeah, he's, always he's had a fun guy. So he always got you sit on your on the edge of your seat whenever he's up at bat. So respect the hell out of him for sure. Yeah. Dan, would would you be would you be put off if if we asked about um, the infamous Manny Machado tweet from from December? Nah, go for it. Look, I've, I've 
spoken to this a few times now and i figured i saw we saw your your podcasts um last week when when you tweeted out uh, some of the yankee focused ones so um yeah. it was certainly a, a topic of conversation um in our personal group chats um can you take us through i guess what the, the days after that were, were like for you i'll tell you what too you also made news on the radio with uh, michael k so <laughs> yeah. Um, what do they say? I went into hiding. No, not not quite. I um put it this way, every time I tweeted for and I'm still still doing it, every time I'm tweeting, I'm kind of just putting mute this conversation on straight away. So I don't get any of the uh the uh hate. But yeah, look it, it I mean I, I backed my source and my source was a, a former teammate of Machado's in Baltimore and he you know, him and I have spoken a fair bit. Um, over the last few years, as I mentioned, and, and he messaged me with some information, which I, I, I still back him. I, I don't think there was any malice in it. I don't think he's out to, you know, to make I mean, you're not, you're not wrong yet. So, I mean, he hasn't even signed anywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly around the time timing, he definitely said it would happen in early January and yeah, and I, yeah, you take that with a grain of salt, it can or it can't happen. But, um, yeah, look, he, he was convinced, um, that it was, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say he was. He is, as far as I'm aware, convinced that he'll be in New York. And I haven't heard back from him. I've tried getting some updates um, in the last few weeks, but I haven't. Um, but, yeah, look, I guess he had more to lose than I would. Uh, he sends me that information and I gave him my um, assurance that I wouldn't reveal his name because he, he asked for that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't. I didn't owe him anything. I... You know, it he wouldn't send that to me knowing I could quite easily send out the you know a screenshot of the message and reveal him, but obviously I'm not going to do that. Um, right. But yeah, I think his intentions were good, and whether it's proven to be correct or not, I, you know, I'm not sure. I think it's anyone's guess now. But um, yeah, I went with it, and certainly um, have taken some heat for it. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, especially. The- New York's a rough. New York's rough. So, <laughs> yeah. Especially um, everyone. Uh, I feel like you know they were holding on to that tweet for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. Three weeks. <laughs> totally. I think it's a. It's much. It's clearly much more of a reflection on um, the expectations of us somewhat spoiled Yankee fans than it is, um, you know, any of the the methods that brought you there. Yeah. Um, but I, I know I was. Yeah, I doubled and tripled and quadrupled down and shit. And that's the way I am. I'm, I, I don't take myself too seriously. I have a bit of fun on Twitter. And that certainly opened up the uh, criticism doors. Tell, tell me about it. I mean, what, you really don't have a choice after that, though. Um, that's kind of uh, – it kind of ties back to, to how we were talking about the, the, the media landscape and sports. It's, it's, and this is not to say that – this is what you were doing, but you almost have to stick to whether it's a take or a report and that's what you're going off of. And now there's, there's just much more, um, I guess it's much more visible each step of that than, than maybe it was 15, 20 years ago. Um, but no, listen, we're, we're all hoping that, um, that it still happens. It's, It's pretty, pretty insane that, that both him and Harper, um, are still unsigned a month out of spring training. And it's, I it's feel like a bigger story than, than anyone's really talking about. 
yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel that definitely the longer it goes on, the more, I don't know, just what the way I feel. The longer it goes on, I feel like he wants to be Yankee, and I feel like it'll lean towards that way, but we'll see. Yeah, well, certainly, as I said on the podcast um, last week, he, I believe he wants to be a Yankee, and that's certainly what I've been told. Um, whether he's waiting for that that offer or whether he's waiting for someone else to actually blow maybe what the Yankees are prepared to give, whether he's prepared, um, whether he's waiting for someone to blow that offer out of the park, I'm not sure. But I agree. I think the longer it goes on, the more I would say the more likely it could be that he's a Yankee. I just I wouldn't want to play a game of poker with Cashman. I'll tell you that. I think that's uh, I think there's just a big big game of poker going on right now, and uh, Cashman's not bluffing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Dan, two more questions, and we'll get you out of here. We we again, we really appreciate uh, your time this afternoon. Your time. Um, what can we expect as Yankee fans from from Zach Britton that maybe didn't come across last year as he was kind of finding a groove after a major injury and then, you know, obviously changing teams and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I, think there's, I think there's a general sense that maybe Yankee fans weren't as impressed as as we were hoping, um, just based off of facing him for years with, with Baltimore, um, but obviously yeah. hoping for a bounce back year um, with this new contract. Yeah, I think, I think you've got to absolute gem I mean you've got a great bullpen as it is and adding him he's um you know for for a number of years there he was in my opinion and I'm sure a lot of people agree he's definitely the best reliever in baseball um he's syncopacy um he he had a rough year with injury um I think once he gets right and gets him once he gets himself into, into a groove um yeah he's got too much class not to return to to what he was um in those you know 14 to 14 15 16 years with the Orioles um yeah I think you've got a, a really good what is it three years 39 million from memory I think it's a pretty good deal um for a guy like that um I think he'll bounce back this year for sure. Yeah, it gives us a little uh, a little insurance with with Chapman as well. Um, yeah. I've always likened him to to a supercar where uh, it, it, it's very finicky if if there's no consistency, um, and then sometimes he just doesn't have it. Which um, you know, obviously when he's on, he's on, but when he's off, Jesus Christ, it's a disaster. Um, yeah. Having that presence from the left side out of the bullpen, um, I think, is huge. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think Britain, you know, we obviously saw him um, in a closing role um, to where he had most of his success. I think I think you need to find a role for him um, and stay consistent with that I, I mean there's just so much talent in that Yankees bullpen you've got so many closing options set up options um, I think they need to settle early on what they want to do with him and once they do keep him there because that's where he's best when he gets that rhythm and gets that momentum I completely agree and uh, the Yankees have a little bit of a track record of um, not always remaining the most consistent with what they want to do with their relievers um, so hopefully uh, those lessons have been learned and uh, we can establish him as, as the, the seventh, eighth inning guy. Um, Tony, did you guys have, have anything before um, we wrap up with Dan? Or Dan, if you had any questions 
for us on your side, um, whatever works. Yeah, look, I mean, I'd love to hear what you guys think on Machado. Do you, are you confident that he'll end up in New York? I mean, touched on it a little bit, but, you know, I've obviously got a bit of a feeling from um, some parts of the Yankees fan base, and I'll respectfully call them passionate fans. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'd be really curious to hear what, I mean, you guys obviously know what you're talking about. Um, quite a lot, so and you, you follow it quite closely. So, what, what do you think? What do you think? You, you know, what are your chances of landing him, or Harper, for that matter? Tony, why don't you start us off? I know you got some passionate um, feelings about Machado. Yeah, I mean, as far as Machado, like I said, I think the longer it drags out, I, I, I want him to be here. I think he'll be here, but um, the thing with, um, I feel like it's getting more. Um, clogged in that infield with uh, Andujar and then they're uh, you know I don't know what they would do on with Andujar because I feel like I don't know if they would move him to first maybe trade him for a pitcher but you know they signed Tulowitzki and you know it's um, it's a really tough call but like I said the longer it drags out the feeling is I think Machado will be Yankee and uh, but as far as Harper I, I don't see Harper being a Yankee really because um, I don't know, because they have Judge, they have Hicks in the outfield, and uh, Frazier's coming. Frazier's coming back from injury, and um, you know Stanton, of course. So you know, I feel like the Yankees are really clogged in a lot of places. But for a guy like Machado, I guess you you know you can move <laughs> you can move a piece or two. <laughs> Correct, especially when you need to boost your uh, your, your rotation, and that's where I do hard. Interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would love to flip Andujar. I know a lot of Yankees won't agree. Yankee fans wouldn't agree, but I'd love to flip Andujar for a starting pitcher. I I think our starting pitcher is, pitching is it's not. Um, not I think it's a little under underwhelming. Yeah. 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 And uh, Tony, I, I I completely second that. Like I as a Yankee fan, um, I want Machado here. Um, I think I think he I mean he's 26 years old he's, he is a superstar everybody talks about his hustle and everything like that I think when you come under the bright lights in New York that all changes um, yeah. I think I think he'd be I, I mean I love Didi and I, I hope you hope we keep him and stuff like that uh, like you said Tony maybe uh, move Anduar for a starting pitcher I know he was amazing last year but I think he, if we have the opportunity to get a guy like Machado you can't I don't think we could pass it up and the way that everything's swirling around with the contract talks and everything like that it could be cheaper than we initially thought I think Cashman like I said before is just an amazing poker player he's buying insurance you know he's getting to it in here he signed um, what's his name on the on that two-year deal could be a nice utility player for us I think he's just he's you know he's stacking up his chips and he, he's waiting to to either strike or you know I have you know he's got this in his back pocket just in case so I mean I'm yeah. hoping I'm hoping we sign him but I, I you know I actually I got faith in Cashman to to make the right decision for the team I think I think with Machado um, the I don't really see the the White Sox as the favorite well, saw, in any I did, sense I did see something that uh, Machado. Um, and the White Sox are kind of drifting apart. I did see that on Twitter. I don't know how reliable source it is, but I did see that they're drifting apart. I just don't think that you can you can fabricate the the momentum 
of Machado and the Yankees um, after their meeting um, when it came out that that they had kind of met after um, the wake for Mrs. Steinbrenner on the day that he was in the Bronx, and and there were there were reports left and right that that it was it was a long dinner, and and you know both sides came away from it kind of energized. Um, I really do think that the the standoff is is more of a a product of obviously this much larger kind of labor issue that, that MLB is going through. Um, but to tie back to the White Sox, I think it's either going to be the Yankees on a deal that edges that out or a team that none of us might be thinking of mm-hmm. on kind of a short, a shorter, high average salary kind of deal. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a bunch of teams over the years that kind of jump in with those surprise signings. Um, and, you know, off the top of my head, none of the teams really, there, there's a there's not really a congruent fit with Machado, but I would put it at, at 50-50, the Yankees and the field. Um, like I said, and it, it, Dan, it does tie back to your um, initial report from one of his ex-teammates and some of the other some of the other stories that came out, um, you just can't fabricate that kind of momentum. Um, yeah. So I don't think that the, the waiting time is a product of a lack of interest as much as it is um, the the landscape of kind of where contracts sit with baseball. Yeah. Um, so I do think that once the Yankees can lock down a congruent move um, for a starting pitcher of some kind with, with Andujar and, and prospects that, uh, Machado is going to slide right in there and take the third base spot. Yeah, oh, totally. Sure. We're all in agreement. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's quite a bit of there's quite a bit of bias on on our side, but um, you know we're talking about the the guy that that traded uh, Chapman for Glaber Torres and then signed Chapman again, and now Torres is <laughs> our second baseman for a decade. So I would. Uh, I don't think I would, that he thinks Tulowitzki is the long term shortstop. Or and or as the long term third baseman, I just I would also yeah. like to see if, uh, Machado. Uh, I feel like he would spice up that uh, Yankee Boston rivalry a little bit. <laughs> uh, would he ever? <laughs> they need they need that edge, and it's exactly kind of what we discussed uh, at the end of last season. Um, they need they need that guy that um, you know can can spark a team, and Machado. For better or worse, is that guy? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, here's hoping. I gotta, yeah. I gotta say that you know, baseball. It's it's really starting to feel like the early 2000s again in the AL East. Uh, no offense to the, you know the Baltimore Orioles or anything like that, but that heat between the Yankees and Red Sox is something that you can't even put into words. You know? Yeah, uh, I can sense that as well. I'm not not offended. It's actually it's good to watch. You know, <laughs> obviously we're rebuilding, so. Um, our expectations are low this year, so it'll be great to see how it all plays out. Yeah. All right, Dan. I think I think we'll let you go. Uh, you've been very gracious with your time. We're at about, about forty minutes here. Um, so again, we really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. Thank we really you, appreciate Dan. it. 
No worries, guys. I'll, um, I really appreciate having a chat with you. And, um, yeah, look, we'll, let's catch up again throughout the baseball season and talk oh, some um, stuff. And no doubt uh, we'll be looking up at you from probably down the bottom of the AR East. And, uh, <laughs> we're cool. and uh, hopefully Manny's a, a Yankee and, and we can um, watch him 19 times a year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. We'll uh, we'll do it again around opening day if that works for you. I'm sure you'll be busy, but um, you know this was this was a lot of fun. Awesome, sounds good. We'll uh, we'll talk soon, guys.